everyone's so busy keeping up. Forget about the Joneses, we all on our telephones. With the texts and the tweets and the beats, what he said, she said, can't even follow the three. Down the hole, we all go. Me, I like keeping up too, with my corona and my attitude. That's La Vida Masfina. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Well, what's fascinating about the Twins moves at the trade deadline is if you go to one of the analytics websites, if you go to Fangraphs, you know, you'll see that the their percentage chance of winning the World Series barely increased. And yet I still think the Twins did the right thing for so many other reasons by making the moves they did at the deadline. I think that trying to compete, trying to reward a team that's competing, try to reward a fan base, keep a fan base engaged. I think those are all great reasons to make these these moves. But let's hear what you think. Yeah, well, I, I think they're a better team after these moves, and I agree. Uh, I don't know if this makes them uh, a, a, a more of a World Series threat uh, than before. I, I just think it, this was made as an uh, acknowledgement that the players have done enough to get to this point to have a short, a small lead in the Central. It definitely could have been bigger. Uh, we all know that. Um, but this uh, this, improve, this improves their chances of reaching a postseason. And I think a lot – you and I, I think, both scoffed uh, back in October when Fal- Derek Falvey said during the end-of-season interviews that he wanted to compete next year, or next year being 2022. And we were like, we didn't see it. We definitely, with the way the pitching staff was headed, um, we did not see uh, the Twins being a threat, and no one did. Uh, but then, you know, the uh, signing of Carlos Craig came out of the uh, came out of blue came out of nowhere, and um, they had some success early on, and now they're adding to what they have. So uh, this proves Falvey, but what Falvey believed in this team. I think they're better. I think um, there's a, there's a path now to the finish line when they lead after six or seven innings. Um, they still have a pretty solid offense. The, the, the mounting injuries are a concern. I mean, they put garlic on the IL today and called up Celestino again. Uh, it's like a revolving door into the uh, into their trainer's room right now. They can't keep their A1 lineup out of here. But uh, I, I like I like what they did, um, and it didn't cost – it cost them some prospects, definitely. I think they traded nine prospects to get these four players, uh, but it didn't cost uh, any other big-time prospects. Um, I think one top ten guy and the next two guys are in, like, between 10 and 20 and you can live with that in order to make a deal like deals like uh, these work. So uh, I, I give them credit for, for making a move and showing fans that they do care that they do want to win and to show the clubhouse the same thing. He's Lavelle Neal. I'm Jim Suhan. Our producer is Brian Burdett. We also have, excuse me, that's my bad. Uh, Roy Smalley, also a big part of this show, is off this week. He will be back next week. I'll be looking forward to getting his insights into exactly what makes these pitchers effective. Uh, Lopez looked great in his first outing. We're recording this on Thursday. I'm about to head to the ballpark myself. Uh, we're going to talk trade deadline. I just want to talk about the trade deadline being reconstituted into what it is now and how that affects, uh, I think, the popularity of the game. I thought I thought the trade deadline was a great success uh, for baseball in general. But we're gonna we're gonna stay on the Twins uh, train right now. Which pitcher do you think has the big biggest impact? 
Um, I think for what? Oh, that's a great question, Jim. I, they needed a starter and a reliever so bad, and I, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out which one's more impactful than the other. I just think the way now that that Rocco can vary his attack in the late innings, um, adding Lopez and Fulmer, you know, uh, has put together a, a bullpen now that can protect leads. I think that was one of it's nothing that kicks a team in the in the in the guts. G. <laughs> Sorry, it starts with a G. Is uh, a leaky bullpen that blows leads, and they were living that life uh, several times more than they needed to during the first half of the season, especially whenever they played Cleveland. Twenty losses by relievers—that is crazy for a team that's uh, in first place in its division. You could you could think you could just imagine the Twins could be ten games up right now and kind of just cruising down the stretch here. So I think. It was really significant to get Lopez because uh, Durant can pitch the seventh and eighth inning, and Lopez can pitch the ninth. He came in yesterday against Detroit and had a seven pitch inning and made it look easy. And uh, you know that's a relief to everyone, the fans in the stands, the lads in the dugout, front office, everybody uh, when when stuff like that happens. So I'm going to go with the addition of Lopez as uh, the the big impact one because that. It's going to, the way the game's played today, your bullpen is, it's an inevitable. It's going to fall into a reliever's hands. So you need to have capable arms coming out of the pen late in the late innings. And the Twins now have multiple. I do not disagree with that. This is Chin Music. This is our baseball show at TalkNorth.com. You know the lineup. We have the best sports lineup in town. We have great outdoor content. We've added Dave Lee, Mike Grimm with the Go Gopher podcast, Boyce Olson, uh, the Pross Box with Nate Prosser, uh, Bardown Beauties. On the bench, we, we just keep on growing the roster. You can find all the shows at TalkNorth.com. We do recommend subscribing to the shows you like at your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. Thanks to our sponsors, Corona and Perfect Ash. And Corona is the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins and the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show at TalkNorth.com. I will tell you more about Perfect Ash here in a minute. I, I, I want to go back to what you were saying earlier. End of last year, it looked like they had no pitching, they had no chance. As late as maybe February, with not knowing what was going to go on with the lockout, not knowing how the Twins would react to dealing with a potential lockout season, uh, it looked like the Twins didn't have enough pitching to contend. And and Correa is the biggest the biggest signing, of course. They went out and got a superstar, mm-hmm. uh, you know, under unusual circumstances. But I think trading for Sonny Gray was really as important. Uh, because he gives me a frontline veteran starting pitcher. Uh, he bolstered a, a unit that really was just a bunch of kids uh, and, and kind of rehabilitation projects. I think the gray move was as important as any this year. Uh, actually, that's a good point, Jim. Uh, it cost the Twins a, a, a high school arm and Chase Petty who could touch 100 miles an hour. So uh, well, it'll be interesting to look down the road five or six years from now to see if Petty and Hunter Green are fronting the Reds' rotation. Uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, but trading for Gray, a crafty veteran, nice curveball, competitive. Um, you know he's gonna he's gonna battle against good lineups. Uh, he gives he gives the rotation identity. Um, I think that was that was definitely a, a, a big move. And I, I texted Falvey this after the deadline passed. I said, you know, the crazy thing about this year is that I liked your pitching inventory on the major league and AAA level much more than I did a year ago. When after you got through the first six or seven guys, you were like, "Who in the hell is going to throw pitches for this team?" You know, because you had the young guys coming in, um, Winder and Ober and Joe Ryan coming back, 
And um, to have like a veteran guy like Sonny Gray join that group uh, and bring some levity into the clubhouse, you know, they've got uh, they got Buddhas in the clubhouse now. They got uh, musical instruments. They got like one of those little indoor waterfall things going now for tranquility and over in the corner where where uh, where Gray sits. So he's kind of a character. And I still haven't written about this. Um, I, I, I talked to him about it though, but I didn't realize that he was a grunter. Uh, when you when he pitches, he grunts mm-hmm. like he's a Monica Sellis or or uh, um, who is a grunt? Oh, Zach Grinky. Grinky's a grunter too. That's what the Carlos Correa told me. Um, so you know they were all surprised about that. So he's just an entertaining guy. Knows what you can do. And Jim, this just drives me to another question that I'm wondering about. How in the hell does Cincinnati? have Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, and Tyler Molly, <laughs> and never make the playoffs. And Joey Votto. Yes, and Joey Votto. Ow. And they had a closer, Iglesias. Right. It, it, you know what it does tell you? Uh, and, hey, look at the Angels. The Angels have had Mike Trout, the best player in baseball over the last 15 years, and Shohei Otani, the m- most unique great player in baseball over the last few years, and they're they got no chance. It, it what it tells you is you got to have an organization, you got to have organizational depth, you got to play a certain way, uh, but you got to have pitching depth. If you don't have pitching depth, pitching excellence won't do you any good. Right, right. Like I said, you, you need ten starters, and I get through a season because uh, guys are just even though um, p- innings are being restricted, number of pitches are thrown are being restricted, um, pitching. Facing the same lineup three times in the game is being restricted. And the theory behind that is that they're keeping pitchers uh, away from injuries. They're still getting injured. They're still breaking down. You know, they have baby Bailey over through the, through the minor leagues into the majors. He, he can't get over this groin pole. You know, they're still breaking down. So you still need you need eight to ten pitchers. You got to have a you have to have you have it's more than a start in five. You got to set up a start in ten. And when you leave, when you break from camp and being, being fully aware and fully prepared that you are going to have to rely on number of pitchers, number nine and 10, you know, they get you through the season. And, and even then the twins had depth. They still had to pick up a Chi Chi Gonzalez during the season. And they just had um, Aaron Sanchez start for him, you know, the other, the other day. It, it, it's remarkable, but it, it shows you to pick the teams that can keep developing pitchers, uh, quality pitchers, uh, you have um, you, you have depth. You also have great uh, trade bait as well uh, when you need to go get other other things. I mean, the Padres just traded Mackenzie Gore, who everybody's saying this kid's going to be an ace as part as this package for Juan Soto. And A.J. Preller had no problems doing that. And he still has quality pitchers in that rotation with the Padres. So that's why I, I don't get mad when when people criticize the Twins for not spending money and making the big the big financial push to get someone, I I I, I try I push back against that. What I will hold them accountable is that you know, they need to be better than most teams. They have to be above average in scouting and development to keep a flow of talent you know on the mound and in the field flowing. So you don't have to fish in a deep end of the free agent pool, and you also have. Prospects you could trade. We need to add a starter or, or refabricate your bullpen on the fly. That's where I I hold the Twins accountable for. And, and the interesting thing is that Falvey has yet to really develop like a frontline starter from the organization. But True. what this trade deadline did uh, exemplify is the fact 
that he has enough pitching depth in the organization. They've drafted and developed well enough in recent years that he had people he could trade for quality. I like Winder and I like Ober. If they can stay yeah, healthy, I, I think they can be quality. This is these are the first couple guys from this wave that that Falvey and Levine were hoping to they get to the majors. Oh, so, actually, Yon Duran was part of that group too, but he ended up being a closer and a damn good one. You're still waiting for Balazovic, uh, Cole Sands, a little bit, Blaine Enlow. You know, those are the guys you're, you're you're waiting for that the Twins have drafted or signed and developed to to break through. But they've had to either have injuries or ineffectiveness. Uh, at this stage, but um, you know that's the part. That's the one part we haven't seen. You know, Falvey start clicking on, and maybe, you know, maybe he will. But he, you know, he always talks about though the one thing Falvey doesn't do. He doesn't straddle. If he's in it at the trade deadline, he's going to try to get better. If he's out of it, he's going to try to take a step back and get some capital for the future. He he always uh, he always argues or mentions how Clory Cooper was a throw in. Uh, a throw into a deal they made with the Padres it ended up being a Cy Young caliber pitcher for them. So you got to take you got you got to take swings on the on the trade market uh, if you're not if you can't spend thirty five million dollars a year on a starter. Yeah, and uh, I want to get to the next big topic, which is that two middle to lower market teams and the Twins and the Padres went were among the teams that went crazy at the trade deadline. I think that's great for the sport. And it's obviously great for the Twin Cities. I think it's great for the sport. Let's talk about that here in a second. But first, Lavelle, if you would tell us about Perfect Ash. Yeah, Perfect Ash uh, Cigar Lounge in Invergrove Heights has over 300 different bland brands of cigars to choose from, a nice walk-in humidor, and a great lounge to sit and smoke your cigar so you don't um, smoke, uh, smell up your 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 garage or your wife's car or your or your kids' playroom. Um, you could t- sit there with other like minded people and enjoy a good stick while watching baseball, like Twins games. Um, if you don't believe me, go to the website, which is perfectash.com, and check it out. There's pictures of the lounge there, the TVs, and people are having a great time. So um, it's one of my favorite spots. I stop by at least twice a week. Um, if I was in town right now, I'd probably be there at the moment, uh, getting ready to watch a little baseball. So check out the perfect gash and located in Invergrove Heights, Minnesota. So based at the NFL can have scandal after scandal, problem after problem, head, head injury after head injury, and they're still incredibly popular. Uh, baseball gets picked on because the people who like baseball want it to be perfect. Uh, so it is held to an incredibly high standard. So when I actually have a reason to praise the game and the way the game is run, I want to bring it up. So, uh, consolidating the tread de- deadline, having it be one day in early August instead of the weird one in July 31st and then a weirder one August 31st with half the fan base not understanding why you can trade or can't trade at a certain time. This was fantastic. Uh, it turned it into an event. It, it led to all kinds of speculation and debate and fan interest. And then teams actually went for it. And so you had, not only did you have the Yankees and Atlanta and Houston making big deals, you had the twins and the Padres going after it. I think it's great for the sport. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they make a big deal, you know, getting Kevin Costner to do the movie draft day, you know, the highlight, you know, what the draft is in NFL, they could easy write a screenplay over what happened last week. As soon as, uh, and the precursor was when Juan Soto turned down the contract offer from the nationals yeah. and the nationals decide, you know, uh, we're, we're listening, we're going to listen to offers on Soto. I was like, there's no way they, they could pull off a trade for Soto in such a short, short window. So then you heard about teams being involved and out of it. Um, I'm still scratching my head as to why Washington can't just sign Soto and make him the cornerstone of a franchise in a decent-sized market, but that's another story. 
Um, so then uh, the Padres and AJ Preller is, you know, he's like Trader Jack McKeon from the old days. You know, he's yep. he's looking to make a deal as soon as he gets out of bed in the morning. And so he traded for he traded for Josh Hader with the uh, Brewers, and that, I was thinking. Okay, well that's it then. They're out on Soto because they need trade capital to get Hater. You know, no, not at all. They still had more, and they just upped the ante now um, by by adding Soto to a lot. The fact that you have Soto, Fernando Tatis, and Manny Machado in the same lineup is just sick. It's absolutely sick. And but they traded they traded five good prospects. I mentioned Mackenzie Gore. Apparently, this kid I never heard of before, the six foot seven inch center fielder. Apparently, he's going to be a, ma- a masher. Um, so um, they're going to allow the the the, the Nationals to, to reset their, their their batting order. Meanwhile, the Dodgers are like, man, these guys are coming at us. So they they have brought attention to San Diego, San Marcos town. Um, you know, about, about ten years ago, you know, really wasn't that successful. But under AJ Preller's guidance, you know, they have developed a fantastic farm system. And he has not been afraid to make deals. And he's got an owner who's willing to spend, and they're going at it. And it's the same thing for the Twins. A fan base has been questioning their commitment, and they went out and attacked everything they needed. They fixed the bullpen. They fixed. They helped to start in rotation. And they got a backup catcher because they knew the backup to Gary Sanchez was not major league ready, ready and they couldn't kill Gary Sanchez. So they, they brought in uh, Sandy Leon, who you know had an RBI hit in his first game as a Twin. So, um, and while the White Sox made one minor move um, for Jake Diekman, and the Guardians' only move was a trade to catcher to the Twins, you know. So the Twins have separated themselves and uh, from the main competitors in the Central, and so these small market cities can, you know, be excited for the next few weeks as uh, you know their their favorite teams get after it here. I just love what the Padres did. Because let's face it, the Padres were a joke for a long, long time. They've only been in the World Series once, and they got swept. Uh, they've only had a couple of really players who really jump off the page, Tony Gwynn being the, the most significant among them. Mm-hmm. And now, but to tell you what, I, I've been, I love San Diego. I've been there on vacation a couple times the last handful of years. Great it's a great city. Time. It's a great city, and and that's the thing, Lavelle, is they don't have the Chargers anymore. They don't have you know they don't have really high end uh, like you know, major conference college sports. They don't have an NBA team. They don't have an NHL team. It's all about the Padres and that town loves that team. And you, you take Machado, Tatis and Soto, not only three incredibly talented guys, but also flamboyant, big personalities, uh, compelling Mm -hmm. people to watch. I just love the fact that the Padres might be the most interesting team in baseball. Yeah. Before Peco Park was paid, uh, was, uh, was built, um, you could drive up to Jack Murphy, you know, at yep. three o'clock before a night game, and people are tailgating in the park in their parking lot, like on a Wednesday. You know, the first time I covered an interleague game there, it was in that stadium. I I got to the ballpark at two forty-five, and there are people out grilling and drinking in the parking lot on a Wednesday. I was like, this is incredible, you know. Uh, you and then I covered that World Series when she got swept by the Yankees because that was knob uh, knob blocks, I think, first year. With the right. Yankees, I believe, and so we were out, we were kind of hitting the, the knoblock angle, angle, and uh, I just couldn't believe the fandom, you know. And Trevor Hoffman was a closer, so Hell's Bells was being played when he entered the game, and of course Tony Gwynn was God, and that that team had Greg Vaughn who hit fifty homers that year, and I believe Kilvio mm-hmm. Veras was like their leadoff hitter, and Andy Ashby was in the rotation. Um, it was it was a quality team. They just had to run into a juggernaut of a of a Yankee squad uh, with that core four they had going on. 
But um, no, it's a great town, a fun place. You can walk to the gas lamp district after games and and uh, hang out at a bar or smoke a cigar. There's a couple of cigar smoking places there um, uh, to my uh, to my delight. So, yeah, I, I'm pro San Diego because uh, other than the Padres, you know, the next thing they got is, you know, the University of San Diego, which I think it costs $65,000 a year to go. And that's why the rich kids go to party for six years. Uh, but other than that, they got they got the Padres and they love their Padres. And it's a good story. No doubt about it. Uh, tell me about Steer. Obviously, he was a logical person to trade because the Twins have so much uh, quality in front of him at the major league level. Uh, but but is he the kind of guy, is he kind of a flash in the pan guy, or is he really proven that he's a top prospect the way he's played this year? Well, he was in the he was in the top ten uh, on the prospect list, so that means he's pretty good. Um, he started showing this ability last year at Wichita, and then he got promoted to St. Paul, and just great right at the beginning of the year. And you're like, oh, man, they got another player here, you know. Uh, and on top of that, this Christian um, Encarnacion Strand kid um, was hitting a ton at Wichita. Um, he had, you know, with, he, started in high, he started in high A. He had 20 homers in like 70 games and then got promoted to Wichita and continued to hit, you know. Um, so they had those two guys, but they're both like second base, third base type guys. And, you know, um, Polanco's still in the contract. Luis Arias is going to be sniffing around first base and second base. And um, Carlos Correa went into the front office and said, you cannot get rid of Jose Miranda. He's going to be a star. And yep. he's showing that ability right now. So yep. they were definitely blocked. And that's when your prospects become tradable commodities. And so they use those guys to get better. Um, they may end up being good. They may end up being really good uh, MLB players. And if, 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 the twins moves work out in their part on their end, and those guys end up being good players, and both sides are happy. We should be happy. Yeah, uh, you know, Terry Ryan went through a stretch of about six, seven years, not probably nine years, where he just won every trade in a big way. You don't have to win trades; you just make the, you need to make good value deals. Uh, and and if yeah, if the twins end up getting good use out of these pitchers, and some of those prospects pan out, that's fine. That, that's not a problem. I, the other thing I love. I should mention here, Lavelle, is they got pitchers who are under control for more than just the next two months. I think that's right. a major factor uh, because it really sets them up to win next year as well. Well, that's the thing I really like about what happened transpired before the deadline because now you, you, you're looking forward to next year because you've got Molly and you've got Joe Ryan with more experience and you've got Sonny Gray. And then you have a hopefully a healthy winder and a healthy over. But then – you have Kenta Maeda back, coming back from his. I don't know what I don't know what to call that surgery. It was it was Tommy John, but they also did a, a primary repair. They like did two surgeries in one. To, basically, they tried to turn his elbow into like uh, into like uh, Terminator type stuff. So um, he should be back. And Chris Paddock is also around, but I my confidence in Paddock um, contributing is not high because. This, the numbers on double Tommy John surgery guys is not good. It's just not good. Um, so if he comes back and, be, and is a decent starter, that's a win for him. But you've got you don't your your rotation is basically set for next year. You know um, you know who your key relievers are next year. Um, you know you're going to have Durant back and you're going to have Lopez 
uh, closing games. You, you can go out and find another reliever during the offseason as well. So I like the way that the pitching staff has come together uh, with these moves. And they can now just work on, you know, seeing who the shortstop is going to be until Horace Lewis gets healthy. <laughs> so now they have three obvious uh reliable starters now in gray uh-huh. Maley and and ryan um i would love to see winder be a factor the rest of the way what what's his deal uh, is he gonna be back soon maybe september i mean he's he's just starting to wind up now from his he's trying to get over the shoulder thing and uh he's just trying to do some uh, some throwing drills and slowly ramp up to where he could start uh throwing bp and facing hitters but it sounds like it's still another multi-week process for him and there is just mystery around over i mean they're asking about him before games and there's never been much of an update so that groin muscle pull he has is is real and it's it is wrecked his season so i don't i don't know when over is going to come back and I, I i'm very encouraged by what i've seen from bailey over um because of his height, it looks like the ball's halfway home when he releases it. <laughs> but uh, and Winder, I think, has a good mix of pitches. I just think he needs experience, and um, he could be a guy. But I, I don't know how much those guys are going to help uh, down the stretch. That's a big question mark. So you're going to need Bundy and Chris Archer to do something. They they've they've just they have to be halfway decent down the stretch. Um, my God, can Chris Archer pitch five innings? Can he get the five innings in an outing? You know, just five. You know, he gets through three and obviously hits a wall. Bundy the same way. Um, I just, we, I think we're, I think we are, we are have no choice but we're going to see those guys try to carry the load for the Twins in the playoff race. Well, we're talking a day after Joe Ryan, a healthy young starter, only went five innings when he was pitching really well. Uh, do you think with Ryan? I mean, I understand Archer. You're just trying to get him to five innings and then you feel like you've right. gotten something out of him. Uh, with Ryan, you could have pushed him on Wednesday. Is that Was that philosophy that that uh, had Rocco backing off or, or, or is there something going on with Ryan? Well, I think I, I think they wanted to be careful because uh, he got shelled the last time out and he wanted him to have a, a good um, outcome. Yeah. Also, his last inning, I believe he threw 20 pitches in that inning and had and labored yeah. a little bit. I think that played to their thinking. Um I would have sent him back out for another inning, but you know, I, I, I don't think in in twenty twenty two terms when it comes to protecting arms. You know, I right. see a guy. I, I've been watching. I've been watching the Derek Jeter documentary. I'm watching Randy Johnson throw a complete game shutout at the Yankees in the World Series. I'm like, when am I ever going to see a complete game shutout in the postseason again? You know, you know, that's just because of the way the the game is managed today. So. Um, the gym is going to be very interesting to see how Rocco handles Tyler Molly because he has thrown over 100 pitches about 10 times this year. He's thrown over 110, 110 pitches three times. Um, you know, he's averaging, I think, five and two thirds innings at start. He's used to pitching the sixth inning and getting into the seventh. You know, is, is, is Rocco going to be more careful with him? Or is he going to allow Molly, Molly to be Molly and, and pitch as far as he can go? Because his numbers this year say that he can go, he can enter, he can enter a batting order a third time and, and not fall apart. Is Rocco going to let him do that? I hope so. Uh, Me too. I think he's the right kind of guy to push in that regard. Hey, uh, one more topic today. We've been doing our music minute. Of course, we love having Roy on for that. Uh, he brings some really interesting stuff to the mix. For today, Lavelle, do you have a musical? A moment, a minute, suggestion you can contribute. Well, once again, uh, my love for Eric Clapton, you know, has no bounds. And I was uh, listening to 
I was listening to uh, uh, Can't Find My Way Home the other day and just thinking uh, how great – I think Steve Woodward uh, played with him on that song as well. And it, it's just a great tune, and it, it's a mellow tune, but it still shows Clapton's musical chops um, and just how brilliant of a, of a guitarist he is. So um, if you have any Eric Clapton at home, folks, I would throw it in tonight, tonight get a bourbon, um, get up, fire up that cigar you bought at the perfect cash and just sit back and relax. Uh, I'm not going to do something from uh, East Street Nation every time out. In fact, I'll try to find something completely different next time. But I will just <laughs> say that I read Steve Van Zandt's uh, autobiography, Born Again Savage. It's fascinating. I mean, this dude, okay, yeah, lead guitarist for Springsteen. They grew up together. But also created the first TV show, original TV show ever picked up by Netflix. Netflix was a one-person operation when they picked up Lilyhammer, which is uh, produced by Steve Van Zandt, written and produced by Steve Van Zandt. He ends up on The Sopranos. Uh, he ends up in The Irishman. He ends up freeing Nelson Mandela. He ends up creating the first, really one of the first blends of rock and rap with the Sun City video, which was aimed at, right. at uh, freeing Nelson Mandela, which is still one of the greatest uh, music videos of all time. The cast is unbelievable. And he did it for like eight bucks. He, he, he had no budget. So basically everybody he knew was coming through New York. He would like pull them in and film them in a way. It looked like it was a group setting. It's incredible what he pulled off. Uh, one of the most fascinating people and political influencers of our time. And yes, he also plays guitar. So I recommend, I highly recommend that. And if you don't, if you don't want to sit down and read a, a long book, just go watch the sun city video. It's fantastic. I was going to say, he's definitely on a list of uh, the world's most, one of the, some of the world's most interesting people. Uh, no doubt. Definitely be on that list. <laughs> yeah. And also, you know, he, and the other thing, he's a producer. So he's also produced uh, a million people. Uh, and he also, he and Springsteen, one of the greatest things they've done is they felt like the, the industry in the world had just tossed away too many great black artists. And so they tried to revive a lot of great careers. They revived Gary U.S. Bonds, uh, Darlene Love. I mean, uh, a bunch of old Motown artists, a bunch of New Jersey artists. They were like, these people are Sam, Sam, uh, Sam Moore from Sam and Dave, uh, they really tried to revive as many careers as they could for the people they admired growing up because they were huge soul fans growing up. They understood the importance of having diversity in music and how how that can transcend um, uh, 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 an era, a decade, or whatever. It can uh, it can uh, move people from all over parts of the globe, from all social economic levels, and you know and they deserve credit for that. Yeah, and and the other thing is that uh, you know the British invasion people and the people on the East Coast uh, and and that next wave, they understood that all the great music was coming from black artists, and they were they were appropriating it for white audiences. And the and the Stones admitted it. But you know, everybody admitted it. I mean, you know, Springsteen and Van Zandt never pretended. They're like, yeah, we want to we want to do a lot of the things that the Motown. Uh, people did, and we're gonna do, we're gonna steal from them, but we're gonna give them credit as we steal from them. There you go. Yes, absolutely. That is uh, that's a big component there. Give them credit; they deserve it. Thanks to Lavelle. Thanks to Brianne. Thanks again to Corona. 
once again, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins, the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show here at TalkNorth.com. Thanks also to Perfect Ash. If you'd like to advertise with the show or any other show in the networking, reach Karen Cleary, K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at TalkNorth.com. Looking forward to next week. We'll have Roy back and we'll have another great three-way conversation about the Twins and Major League Baseball.